0: Now that I have jitters when I first walk into a male locker room, with mostly all white players, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. You know, because you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable in any way. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I'm probably uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but you know that, that's part of the job.
1: What's going on, y'all? You have just tuned in to the Black Shutter Podcast. On this show. I invite black photographers, filmmakers, editors and creative business folks to discuss their experiences and share their wisdom. You will hear about their work, their challenges and their inspirations. My name is Idris Talib Solomon, a creative director, photographer and filmmaker based in Brooklyn, New York. So if you dig photography and you love the culture, keep your mind open and your headphones locked. This is the Black Shutter Podcast. To be the first of something requires the strength to break barriers. And the obstacles along the way are what build you up. There are many unforeseen opportunities that prepare us for our future roles. But the key is to recognize the lessons hidden in challenging situations so we can actually reap the benefit. Our guest in this episode has a diverse background in portraiture, sports, music and live entertainment. She has worked in photojournalism in Massachusetts. She was a staff photographer at Eastern Kentucky University. She has been the only Black photographer on staff in many situations. And now, she is the NHL's first Black female staff photographer. Amanda J. Kane, welcome to the Black Shutter Podcast. How you feeling out there, sis?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Trying to get through this heat wave. But uh, other than that, man... Um, everything's gravy so amanda tell us where are you calling from right now
0: i am currently calling from san jose california
1: san jose okay so my my geography isn't uh isn't the best especially when it comes to uh california there's a lot of it's san jose san diego san francisco like what what other big city are, is san jose close to uh
0: san francisco is about a 45 minute drive up mhm um so we're located basically in the bay area. Um we okay. have Santa Cruz just below us 45 50 minutes south. Um and then Oakland uh 45 50 minutes uh northeast.
1: Okay, so, so I was just in that area last week. I was at um in Napa at the Blue Note Jazz Festival out there. So I was Oh nice. I was bouncing around between San Fran and Oakland and uh, I definitely like the vibe of Oakland, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's definitely a lot more charming. I think. Yeah, I think it's a lot more cultural than say or ethnic than San Francisco. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. say it that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely like Oakland for the vibe that it is. San Francisco, there it seemed, I mean, I've been here a couple of times even before moving to the Bay Area, so it seems like it's it's very it's getting to a point where it's upscale but there are still, it's old trendy neighborhoods, but I don't necessarily see a lot of us black folks Yeah. in that area.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: In comparison to Oakland.
1: Yeah, and I think that, uh, that you know, um, San Fran still has a lot of, there's a lot of poverty, there's a lot of um, addiction, there's a lot of um, just, you know, lifestyle diseases happening in San Fran. Yeah. And in Oakland, I felt like Uh, the black folks I did see just felt a little bit healthier, and uh, you know, just yeah, it just felt like it it was a a completely different vibe than than San Fran. San Fran was like the Wild West.
0: Yeah, and San Jose, I would say, is a mix between the two, even though it's more international, Mm -hmm. like because this is Silicon Valley, so you have uh, a lot of international folks here, but I wouldn't say it's as black (laughs) like i would say maybe five percent i could be dead wrong about that but that's just from looks Mm. um and so yeah there's not a lot of us here but this is silicon valley and it's obviously well most recently voted the uh most expensive place to live in the country now so
1: and, yeah. and you're out there and you're out there doing that um as a photographer. Yes. All right. Well, uh big ups to you for that. That's a that's quite a, quite an achievement um as a as a professional photographer to live in one of the most expensive cities and you're there. Uh congratulations. Um you said that you moved there. So where are you from originally?
0: I am originally from Detroit. Detroit, um, okay. was literally just back there last week, um, the east side of Detroit, um, just so people are like, well, what part of Detroit? <laughs> uh, east side, and I'm going to say between 8 and 9 mile on Gratiot City. It's actually called East Point. It used to be called East Detroit. But, yeah, that is where I grew
1: up. You know, describe your upbringing in Detroit. Like, what was around you? What were some of your influences as a child growing up there?
0: Um, Grew up middle class. Um, very blessed uh to have parents that both worked uh full time jobs. Her mom worked at Blue cross Blue Cloth or Blue Crosby Shield. My dad still works at GM. Still? So a little bit of the automotive industry mixed with insurance. <laughs> okay. Um, so it was kinda like cool. Like you you watch your parents do the whole nine five thing and for me I've always Gravitated or liked physical education classes and art classes. Those are the two things that you know, comparatively to like social studies and math. I was just like, yeah, just another class. Uh, but those two things I excelled in. So I guess growing up, like sports, played a lot of sports. First sport was soccer. I remember playing on the open field as a five-year-old, like little mini me. I'm I'm short as it is, and I'm, like, out there, like, trying to chase the boys around. Like, it's kind of funny. But so I had, like, a lot of, um, or I have a lot of memories of growing up playing sports, growing up being involved in art class, um, you know, coming home, bringing your parents these weird creations that you make (laughs) in art class. (laughs) (laughs) And to go back home last week, you know, some of that is still in the cure cabinet and you're like, Oh my goodness.
1: (laughs) Why? Right.
0: (laughs) So blast from the past, but yeah, I mean, I grew up, uh, middle class, uh, wasn't really poor. Um, you know, so blessed in that way, but you know, still had challenges along the way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, went to a Quaker elementary school um from grades one through eight and then went to a lutheran high school um so a lot of private education um and then went to central Mission university uh which is predominantly white (laughs) public school so
1: and and the first two schools were like what was the demographic in the first two schools in uh, the quaker school and the lutheran school
0: the cricket school was actually pretty much diverse. Okay. Actually. Um, I would say there there was a good ratio of, of everybody. Um and then the Lutheran school maybe twenty to twenty five percent black. Hmm. Um and then obviously Central Mission University, I would probably say nine, eight, nine percent. Nine percent. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. So, you've had to adjust to being um, one of the only, you know, black folks um, pretty early on, it sounds.
0: Yeah. Um, Growing up in the suburb, um, I think from ages 7 to 22, um, yeah, we were pretty much one of a few black families on the streets back in those days. Nowadays, um, you know it's it's more diverse for sure on that one street but back in the day, it was maybe two or three black families, wow, in that area so yeah i guess I guess I am comfortable being in a setting with mostly white folks, dare I say that, but yeah,
1: <laughs> wow, so you know, um you. I don't do a whole lot of research on uh, guests that, that I invite on, on a podcast because I want mm-hmm. to I want to sort of you know learn your story the same time the listeners are learning the story, right? like I want to be surprised and shocked as well when I hear you know interesting information. Um, but when I was doing some research on you, I've, I saw that you are the first black female team photographer in the NHL for, for the San Jose Sharks. And yes. that's amazing. So like for for those out there listening, man, like Amanda Kane, Amanda J Kane is the first black female team photographer in the NHL. This is history, y'all. This is history. And I didn't know that when I first invited you to be on the podcast. So that was, a, that was actually really, really dope, yo. Um, and I definitely wanna get into how you got into this position, but hearing how like your upbringing, you were already in, you were just sort of like being primed and groomed to be in a position that you're in, to be the first, to be like a a barrier breaker. You know what I mean? So I just it's, it's really cool hearing how your early experiences sort of like put you on a path to where you are, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, earlier experiences, um, especially out of college, were, huh, like, being one of two in my first professional job. Mm. Um, I think I was one of one in the next job. One uh, of one. So, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's funny because, like, when you're first coming out of school, you know, I was probably a little bit more naïve um and think you oh, know you know it's fine like i'm not gonna worry about being black but along <laughs> you know and i mean when you're younger you don't realize the effect it has or indeed. you don't necessarily see it indeed um and so in the past 12 years you know like i would say towards the last 5 years i've started to really see you know how other professionals look at um, black creatives, um, and so it, it's kind of startling. It's but startling. It, yeah, it is.
1: So, <laughs> you w- know, when you first started to make these realizations, or you started to f- ha- feel that startling feeling, like um, what came up for you? Like I understand it being startling, but what emotions came up for you when you really started to make these realizations
0: well i I would say one of them was in the third newspaper job I have, and that was in Pennsylvania working for the york dispatch central p a is basically republicanville,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and I had to cover Trump rallies and whatnot Good and ball. so um, <laughs> you know, like, the first one I covered, I was like, okay, I'm just here as a photojournalist, whatever. And then as I started to cover more, it was like, people really didn't see the color that you are. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was almost like they ignored you. <laughs> mm. Um, so yeah, that was, that was really like the first realization of, Okay, really, y'all yo? <laughs> you're gonna let this clown you know kinda take over the country awesome,
1: yeah, <laughs> well what do you mean so that, that, that was- they didn't what do you mean that they didn't see you see the color you are
0: it It didn't phase them that that I was in a room or that someone or some other photographer of color were in the room, you know what I mean, especially if we were just covering the event. Hmm. You know, um, it just felt like we were being ignored, you know. And then when people who are in the crowd, you know, say something or, you know, they would heckle them. And as he's speaking, like he would point them out. I don't know if you've been to Trump rally. He would just point out random people that were completely against him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it almost felt like you were at a show.
1: Its a spec like a spectacle
0: 16. yeah
1: uh,
0: so yeah it was it was definitely real at that point twenty sixteen <laughs> it was like uh holy crap, here
1: we go, wow, so uh you know i, I know that you said your third newspaper, so you would, you did photojournalism for for a bit it sounds um
0: yeah i I started off in design because that was what my degree was in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Little did I know at the time that you can make money in photography. (laughs) Um, I want to say like when I was in school, the first thing I went into was sports studies because I love sports. Um, There was no thought of what can I do within sports studies. And then when I got to the first class, It was like stats and communications and all this other stuff. And I was just like, no, like, really? Uh, (laughs) Not for me. And then, like, I sidetracked into teaching for a semester. And I I went back to my elementary school to kind of shadow. And I was like, holy crap, no, this is not for me either. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first year and a half of school was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and you know art was still something that always you know comfort me um so took a couple of art classes and someone was like hey maybe you should like you know major in graphic design I didn't know what graphic design was at the time I was mm-hmm. like okay just kind of make art on the computer or whatever um and so as I got into that program started learning about design loved design at the time. Um, and still see it um, as a great tool for photographers nowadays, but I don't actively design anymore. But, you know, all those those classes that I took there led to me taking some film photography classes, digital photography classes, and that's kind of how photography was introduced to me um, in a true art form. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I had always had point-and-shoots, when we went on vacations as kids and whatnot, but never thought about it as, like, an actual, like, oh, people do this yeah. in real life and they make money.
1: You know what's so funny um, about that okay. is that, you know, we photos have been around since we've been alive, right? Um, yep. And somehow we don't really, a lot of people don't really stop and think about how these photos end up in our hands, whether it's in a magazine, whether it's on TV, whether it's online, whether it's on our phones, or we just act, or or so a, a a print that's hanging up in our homes, right? A lot of us don't stop to think where these photos came from, but somebody had to be behind the camera pressing the button, right? Yep. And so I, I understand. I really relate to that. You know, um, not seeing photography as. Like a career option or, or something that, that I could do. It took a very long time for it to settle in my head that, oh, I can do that. You know what I mean?
0: Right. And also, you know, parents, they're like, is that is that going to be like a money making career? You know what I mean? Like, that was also in the back of my mind. Um, my dad, who was a design engineer, you know, um, it, it was a, some tall shoes to fill. You know, to follow up in his kind of footsteps. But I think, like, the way it worked out is that me, both me and my sister are both, we love art. And so, like, the sketching that he used to do, like, on graph paper and stuff like that, it all, like, translated to us. Because Mm -hmm. I love to do kind of the same thing, that 2D kind of style. Um, The pencil, the marker design. That's kind of, you know, how my graph design started. Um, so, yeah, it, it all kind of worked out through family and through generations and whatnot. But yeah, photography was nothing that I really saw as a career, and so that's why I went into graphic design, not thinking that oh, is this is this is just is, is, is this gonna last? Yeah. Um, Because what you learn inside the classroom is not real world experience. Yeah. You know, you have projects where you're allowed the leeway to sometimes be as creative as possible. But when you're out in the real world, you're like, no, you have to stay within these boundaries or you have to do, you know, this font or you have, you know, mm-hmm. like it's so many rules. Um, and at the time I was not a rule follower.
1: I mean, you're <laughs> so, you're, you're an artist. Like yeah. how, how how many of us <laughs> are, you know, there's something yeah. rebellious in us in order to, art is expression, right? And I yep. think the rebellion, the rebellion that many artists feel is if we feel confined to expressing ourselves in a way that makes sense to somebody else or that that is um, copying somebody else. And that, for me, speaking personally, that's where a lot of my rebellion and frustration comes from is not, being as clear with my expression as I as I know I can be or or as much as I want to, you know. Right.
0: And so from there, because I, you know, I didn't like rules, I kinda emulated myself to the style of Jackson Pollock. uh uh-huh. Um I don't know if you've ever seen or had any of his books or whatnot, his abstract like paintings and stuff I mean the
1: splatters. Kind of
0: crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that was something that I was very interested in. So, like, I literally, for like the first, the last two years of college and the first two years of like my career, I decorated the page, hmm. <laughs> which is technically not what design is. You know what I mean? But because like I didn't like rules, like I just kind of designed how I wanted to. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was very weird looking back at it. But yeah, that's, that's, the, the foundation of kind of where this all started
1: so, so I know that your 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 father seemed to be um, he, he had the creativity going on his side right he was doing yep. a lot of sketches um, what did he say when you told him you were interested in photography
0: uh, he didn't say much <laughs> you know I think you know my dad being the, the quiet person that he is and his mind's like alright You know what I mean? Like, make sure you can take care of yourself, you know? Like, that was always, I guess, the tone with both of my parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, And still, but (laughs) it's kind of like, yeah, I got it. A few, like, bumps and and bruises along the way, obviously, because as a young creative, uh, you're just going to go and do things that you feel like you want to do, even though they may not be right Mm -hmm. or sound right. Um, but it's all part of the journey. So, So, you know, 12 years of ups and downs, you know, and here I am, you know?
1: So are they, are they of the mind of letting you just like sink or swim? Like you, you're going to, you're jumping into this photography pool. Now you'd have to learn how to swim. Is that how it is?
0: Uh, I mean they're there to catch me and 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 my mom will still say you know if you need any help let us know um but i am of the mindset of yeah i yeah. <laughs> you know like if i can do it i'm gonna do it mm-hmm. you know if i can figure it out i'm going to figure it out got it um so like beginning of my career yeah did i did i have help from my parents absolutely um with blessed to have help because The amount of mistakes six that I made, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Kind of, it's like, are you serious right now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, but, yeah, I mean, they are fully on board with it now and love the fact of what this has turned into. Uh, But it was definitely a journey of, of getting them on board as to, okay, is this a career? Will this last? Yeah. You know?
1: What's up family? If you're enjoying this episode, do us a solid by leaving us a five-star rating or reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. We appreciate the support. So on that note, we're going to get back into the show. Peace. It is a it is an interesting career to to it is and, and when you take a step back and you look at the fact that, oh, wow, like, I'm a professional photographer. Uh, like, and people pay me to press this little button and look at this little tiny square, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And people pay me to do that. It is really mind-blowing. You know what I mean? Um, so it is hard for some people to, to really have that settle in their mind that this is, you know, um, a viable path. Because so many people want to do it. You know, so many people, yep. you know, um, fighting to get into that 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 slot that you're trying to get into, you know. And the reason why your work is separate from somebody else's work, it, it could be marginal, you know. But that can make the whole yep. difference in one person becoming professional and one person staying a hobbyist. Absolutely. You know, I see like you you cover live music, you cover sports, you cover entertainment. And you do and you do portraits as well um you know, what is your connection to sports and music this it seems like you are drawn to like photography is always of the moment right but there are mm-hmm. certain things that are even more of the moment because they're happening is it's, it's a specific time that they're happening right like you know when there's a game going it starts at four o'clock on wednesday or whatever you have to be there because it's happening at that time. When there's a concert, same thing. But when they photojournalism, you don't know when certain things are going to happen. You just have to be ready. It seems yep. like you gravitate towards organized events, right? Like, So what is your draw to like sports, music, entertainment?
0: Um, The draw to sports is I grew up um, a sports fan. And that was because I wasn't... Uh, necessarily the greatest high school athlete or whatnot. Like I didn't, you know, play college sports. So I I think a lot of that has to do with, okay, since I'm not, you know, that type of athlete, what can I do to still stay around the thing I love to watch so much? Um, And so I think that's why I've gravitated so much towards sports. Uh, I'm still a fan of most sports, even though right now I cover hockey. Uh, grew up watching the Red Wings in Hockey Town, and so, you know, there's a connection to hockey, but mm. I wouldn't say hockey is, like, the best sports or one of my favorite sports. Okay. So, that that's with the sports. Music-wise, um, I've lived in seven different states in the past 12 years, and so, when I was living in Houston, Texas, I worked for the Houston Press. And they were technically the first people that sent me out to professional sports event and a music event. Um, So when I was there in 2012, like it was it was new for me to be at these live music shows and then to be at a professional sports setting. And so like when I got to music, I was like, holy crap, this is amazing Mm -hmm. Um, because you don't control the lighting. Yeah. You know, like you have to shoot a show. As it is. Yeah. You you have to capture the moment, you know, that's right in front of you. So I think that is why I love music so much. Um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily the best music or sports shooter, but those are both passions of mine. Um, and I aim to get better at it on a daily, you know. Um, I think everyone has to continue to learn how to continue or continue to improve um, their craft Absolutely. of what you're doing um, so yeah music I listen to music on a regular um, I listen or I watch sports on a regular so yeah th- those are the two things that you know I- I'm passionate about 110%
1: <laughs> yeah you know I, I did some uh, live music photography like concert photography, and what's really interesting about it is the the light the lighting does change you can't control it, and there's so many happy accidents you know yep. that happen when um photographing live events you know sometimes it might be like a flicker in the lights or you know smoke you know on the stage or whatever, and like that right combination of smoke and like a strobe light and you know a random light and a spotlight from the background and you just get like this crazy ass image that you didn't know you were making you thought you were getting something else and then you look at it in the edit and you're like yo i couldn't have even planned how beautiful this shot is you know and uh, you just gotta be open to it right yep
0: exactly you should uh i've noticed you have not interviewed greg Greg Noir. Greg
1: Noir. Yeah, uh, he's on a list. He's on a list. Um, I'm trying. I, I'm definitely going to get him on at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah. he's I, uh, by far one of the best. Oh, <laughs> for sure,
1: for sure. I actually met him at uh, Radio City Music Hall on, um, and it made sense when I saw him. I was like, oh shoot, a, a, another black photographer front of stage, huh? And then I said, you know, I introduced myself, and he was like, Greg. I was like, Greg Noir. It's one of those like you know, um, IG moments where it's like you know somebody's work, you know before you know them, and I was like, oh snap! So you know, um, you know, I shook his hand, whatever, said what up, but yeah, his work is is really dope, man. He's committed to the uh, to the lifestyle, you know, of just being out there. (laughs) Yo, that's a commitment, you know. Um, Live music, photography—that's a commitment because you 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 have to be out. Late, a lot of times, or on your feet at a festival, you know. So it is yep. a different type of photography, but it's it's also like so energizing.
0: It is, and the artists nowadays um, are just so amazing mm-hmm. with their stage presence. Yeah. Um, if you are a true photographer, you will find that one distinct angle exactly. that just makes them look awesome exactly and greg definitely
1: does that yeah so. you know i just came from the uh kendrick lamar concert on uh friday and you know speaking of how like amazing the artists are man i mean this is this is kendrick right but his sta- yeah. his stage presence is amazing and then the the stage the production design of the stage was was amazing as well and right. yeah. i was sitting there i'm i'm enjoying the show I'm singing along, I'm screaming, I'm doing all of that stuff. But then every once in a while I'm, I am stop and I'm looking for the photographer in the pit. Where's the photographer? What, what what angle, like what, I was looking at like what access does this photographer have, right? Are they right. on the stage? Are they in the pit? Where the hell are they, right? Because I could not see them. And I was like, where would I be if I was a photographer and I had access, you know, um, and then I would go back to enjoying the show, but I couldn't stop. Like, every time I'm out, I'm always thinking, like, where would I be if I had my camera right now? Exactly. You know? So you also have an interest in making portraits, right? So what is it about people? What do you see in people that makes, uh, you know, taking portraits interesting to you? Uh,
0: I guess the whole portraiture thing started when i first started shooting and that was mostly because i was there's a lot of street photography as well as skateboard photography and then there was portraiture and so i would go between the three Um, like i would get portraits of skateboarders and then i would just walk the street and get these like detailed tight shots of faces of characters it's just mesmerizing because at the time i lived in massachusetts and so i would take I don't know, multiple trips to New York City, you know, in one month and just walk the streets. You know what I mean? And in New York there's everything. You're obviously you're from New York. Um so you already know, but it's just it was just the culture, the vibe um that I loved the most about my early days and being able just to not be afraid to just walk up to somebody and be like, "Can I take a, fo- a photo of you or just kind of use my long lens to kind of photograph somebody?" Mm -hmm. Um, that is kind of why I like portraiture nowadays. It's a lot more posed, it's a lot more, um, organized, you you have to set up things, you have to, you know, kind of plan how you're going to attack, um, your composition. Um, but yeah, that's kind of why I love portraiture because a lot of times when people see themselves, um, they think they're seeing themselves how they would when they wake up in the morning or they're looking in the mirror themselves. When a photographer who is very good at what they do can capture you and you look at a photo or they look at the photo and they say, oh, wow, I've never seen myself like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is the most powerful thing that I've ever been told.
1: Or when somebody so. starts out and you they know you're going to take their, their picture and they yep. say, hey, you know, I don't like being photographed or nobody ever, I never photographed well or blah, blah, blah. Right. And then you. A lot of
2: people say that. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and then I'm like, well, you haven't been photographed by me. And I'm not saying I'm like, I'm a magician or anything, but, you know, it is true. And and I think a lot of people haven't really been professionally photographed, you know, um, and it does make a difference with somebody who understands a camera, understands composition and lighting and all of those things and takes their time to craft the image of, of, of the person, right? But if it's always been like, you know, your uncle or your nephew who loves photography but is not necessarily, like, practicing at it, then they yeah. may not feel like they're getting the best representation of themselves.
0: Right. Right. But, yeah, that's, that's what I love about portraiture. Um, I feel like sports, uh, man, there's, there's a ton of portraiture. That you can do with sports. There's a ton of portraits you can do with music, um, so that's why I kind of like all of those three genres of photography work well for me.
1: You know, um, I forget which episode, but um, Michael Noble Jr. on an episode yeah. with him, he, we were talking. To, he's a photojournalist, like to the to the heart, and um, and what we were talking about was how photojournalism prepares you for so many different types of photography and you you can actually feel comfortable doing a lot of different styles of photography, right? So with photojournalism, you're there to tell the story of an event that happens, right? So that means that uh, are there people in the story? Yes, okay, you have to make a portrait of the people so that we understand who this story is happening to. Where did the story take place? You have to set the stage for the environment, right? And then what are some of the details? Uh, was there a fire or was there a celebration? Like, what does the end of the fire look like? What do the balloons look like? You got to get all of these details, right? So yep. hearing that you came from, you know, newspapers, and, but you, ha- you have like this, you know, diverse interest in, you know, um, you know photojournalism and sports and portraiture, it, you know, it sort of primed you Do the work that you're doing Especially with um, documenting a team With all of those different things Coming together in one place
0: Exactly And I would also say um, A lot of people don't really know this But higher education Is also a place where you Learn to shoot a lot of different things On a college campus
1: You mean being a photographer For for a university or a college?
0: Yes Um, I was a Uh, photographer for Eastern Kentucky University Mm -hmm. um, from 2017 to 2020 Um, and by far probably my most successful job that I had and and probably the one that propelled me to where I am now Mm -hmm. because I didn't I had the opportunity to be me they hired me for me they loved the creativity that they saw Mm -hmm. within my portfolio and so they hired the person mm-hmm. that did the work in the portfolio.
2: Got it. You know what I
0: mean? And and so many times, you know, it's whether you know somebody or whether there's a friend of a friend or, you know. And so for that job, it was kind of like the the one job that kind of got me to this point. And so it, it was definitely a great learning experience, and I definitely got to shoot a lot of things, whether that is presidential events, Athletics, uh, different departments, um, classroom settings, campus beautiful, like all those types of things. It was it, it's kind of awesome.
1: <laughs> so they they gave you autonomy, pretty much.
0: Yes. Yep.
1: Beautiful. I mean, it's 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 cool to be able to sort of craft the type of work that you want to do when given the option. Yeah. You know. So.
0: Especially in a, a place like Kentucky, in which when, <laughs> yeah. when when they called me or when they emailed me, I was like, wait a minute, what did I apply for again? <laughs> um, it was kind of like, where is that. <laughs> wow. So, but Kentucky is one of the most beautiful uh, states, a little bit backwards in political areas, but man, you're talking about horse country. It is beautiful. So...
1: Yeah, I, I know. Like when I drive through small towns, it's always farms. Like once you leave a city, there's all it's just farms, right? And yeah. you know, I'm always like salivating when I'm just looking out the window, like, Fuck, I wish I had my camera. I wish I had like day a few days to just like be in this in this town and and document what I'm seeing in this town because it's so unfamiliar to me. Like it's so opposite of like growing up in a in a big city with crowded people and just rats and, you know, just, <laughs> every, you know, yeah. smells and all types of stuff. It's so much different. I, I wish I could be in those environments, you know, like in the Midwest, just because I know that I'm going to see something beautiful there that I've never experienced. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: So let's talk history, right? You are okay. the NHL's first black female team photographer uh you know the nhl has been around since 1917 so you just broke a 105 year barrier uh describe yep. des- describe that feeling of getting the call or email saying that you got that job
0: well when i when i got the call um we weren't sure whether that was the whether i was the first or not mm-hmm um, it was a call with the NHL photo ladies and they were like, yeah, you are the first. Um, that's when I actually heard about it and not, not to say that that was what I was going for mm-hmm. because it wasn't, you know, I was trying to fulfill a dream of becoming a team photographer. Um, and so I guess, you know, sometimes when you're going for something and you know, you do well in the interview portion Um, you know, sometimes that job is just meant for you. You know, as I say, hockey is not my favorite sport. Um, it is by far one of the hardest sports to capture, but it's enjoyable in that aspect that it's a challenge and being the first female or black female photographer is, it just blows my mind even to this day in saying it, because it's like, it's 2022, Exactly. And we're having to still say these things. And then, you know, when Anscape the Anscape article came out, uh NHL fans, oh my freaking word. You know, uh they don't understand the the, the, the context hmm. of stating that this is the first black female. You know, they're like, Oh, why do you have to why do you have to put black into the title or da 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 and I'm just like, you not really have you ever
1: seen a black woman photographer exactly.
0: at a photo home? Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like
1: I mean you could probably just don't look at it. So <laughs> you know, we, we know like there's not a lot of black photographers in the sport, right? And I I Yeah. And I can be honest and say I've never watched an entire hockey game, not once ever in my life. I don't even know if I've watched five minutes, right? Right. So, but I know there are, you know, black folks who are fans of the sport, but, you know, it, it still doesn't seem like it's a sport that many black and brown folks are gravitating towards as fans, let alone as players. So the fact that you would be interested in photographing hockey and people would understand why it's a big deal to put black in front is because it's just not a sport that, that has been welcoming to, to the black community.
0: Right. I mean, it's very expensive. You know, if you're throwing off as a youth, uh, in junior hockey or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of that, um, is still to be, I guess, worked on, or that's one thing that the NGO has to do better of is just taking hockey into underprivileged areas. Mm hmm. You know, and it can't just be one area. It has to be multiple areas. Yeah. You know, and you have to continue to check on these areas over time to make sure that we're tapping into, you know, players that may want to play uh, college hockey or even pro hockey. Yeah. Because sometimes when you're in high school or when you're in, you know, seventh and eighth grade you know your parents are like well what do you want to do is it going to be football or hockey or baseball you know what I mean mm-hmm. and most people and most kids of that age would be like yeah football yeah you know um so it's just something that you know as a league they just need to stay on top of to make sure that you know we can develop some great young bipoc athletes
1: if that's what they want to do we, you, like, if that's what you want
0: to do, okay. Right, because
1: <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, we know like there's disparities all across the board, and these corporate, and we want we know what we would like to see come from these corporations, but and the corporations could say whatever they want, but if in their mind they're like, you know what, I don't know if I want to see more black and brown folks in the sport, then they're not the the effort is not going to. Match where they're coming from, you know like i I agree, I think that you know it should be diver- diverse everything should be but
2: yeah.
1: but the the main the main goal for a lot of folks or corporations or organizations is not diversity, and that's that's what's un- unfortunate you know
0: i mean it's it's unfortunate, but again, you know you look at the leagues that are most successful and I, and i Truly do think that it is not just a hockey issue, mm. it is a professional sports issue mm. with adversity. You know, um the NBA, the NFL, majority of those players are black. Yes. You know what I mean? And yet we don't have team photographers, actual team photographers, actual NBA E photographers mm-hmm. in those roles. I, I believe Reginald is a social team photographer? I'm not sure. You've oh, talked to him yet.
1: Not the not not the team photographer. I get it. Yeah,
0: so so oh. there's a difference like NHL has like I am also the NHL I photographer which uploads to Getty.
1: What does that mean? NHLI, like the the initial I or E Y E?
0: It's the NHL and an I. Okay. Just the I, yeah. So, and so there's, there's differences and most people won't explain those differences. You know what I mean? Like somebody can hire a marketing photographer or that marketing photographer is not a little to Getty. Mm-hmm. They just do the stuff that you see, the posters in the arena, you know, all the front facing marketing things. So that was the one thing when I got to this job, I was like, what? There's a difference. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well. Here we go. <laughs> there, there's a difference. So yes, I I mean my team uploads to Getty as well. We have to supply Getty with 25 images, at least 25 images per game, per home game. Um, so that is yeah. So as well as being a full time photographer, I'm I am the team photographer on the NHL side as well. Most teams have contractors,
2: mm-hmm.
0: in which are their NHL I photographers and not full-timers
1: got it like yeah so, so you so you would photo okay walk us through walk us through a typical day for you
0: uh a game day
1: yeah let's start with let's start with the game day
0: they go home game day would either start with a morning skate mm-hmm. so basically their morning practice um, and that usually lasts 10.30 to 11. It's very short. It's just, you know, to get the legs moving. Mm-hmm. Um, coach may have to go over a few things and what he wants to see that night. Um, and then I go back, edit, take a break, um, and then come back at around 2.33. And then whether or not I'm putting up remote cameras, um, that's when I do all that. Play earth arrivals. So you have the suit shots that mm-hmm. you see on my website. Um that's what we normally get around if a game is at seven thirty, four thirty is usually the time that most players arrive. So we're out there shooting that and then after that, editing, sending that to social. And then dinner usually happens and then they usually have their kind of warm up time where they're in the hallway. You know, whether that is um playing uh soccer um or just stretching. Um, we usually photograph some of that um, and then after that it is pre-game in the locker room and it's usually like five minutes before they hit the ice just moments um, you know them smiling, them laughing them preparing and then they have um, their 16 minute warmth on the ice and so we photograph that um, come back, quickly edit and then the game starts so it is quite a bit of work, <laughs> um, but it's enjoyable, especially when you start to get to know the players um, and get to know their routines mm-hmm. um, because you kind of know what to look for, you know. So it's it's great in that that way, and then, you know, some nights you have back-to-backs which aren't as great, uh, so you have to come back and do it twice in a row. And, so, and
1: do you have back-to-back <laughs> games or you know, you mean like one, like one is on a Monday, then you go back on a Tuesday.
0: Yes. Ah, okay. Monday, Tuesday. Yeah.
1: Okay. yeah. Uh, not not double headers.
0: Correct. Okay. That is that is only a baseball thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: You see my my ignorance in hockey. You, you see it. It's coming, yeah. to, coming to life. Um, but it sounds it it sounds cool. I like I like gigs where, you know, on a regular day, there's different types of events happening for you to cover you know right. um and to me it feels like you know it it changes up the monotony you know um a little bit because you know there's something different to look for in all of those different you know moments um yep. so um what was t- all right so, so that's a typical day but can you walk us through your first day on the job? What was it like for you walking into the stadium and, and meeting the players and knowing that you're like, you know, this this black woman photographer walking into this predominantly white space? Like, what was your first day like on the job? Uh,
0: my true first day
1: on the job was a media day. Oh, man. So. <laughs> um, first day. yeah, Just thrown right in. yeah. Can you, okay, I know what Media Day is, but can you explain what Media Day is to to the folks listening just so they get to understand some context around like how big a Media Day is?
0: So, Media Day, especially for the NHL, is where you get all those promo headshots, banner shots, um, video. You know, they have their probably three to four sets set up where they're having the players, you know, either say a short sentence. Um, or they're just having the player kind of react. Um, it's it's for, like, most of the home games. You'll see videos up on the boards, and that's usually shot during a media day. That's also um, times where it's, well, it's the day where you, players get asked a lot of questions. Um, and so it's, while it's stressful for us creatives, probably more stressful for the players as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it's just, one of those busy days where you try to knock out all of your creative assets, photos, video um, designers are there too, trying to make sure they get what they need for certain elements. Like one of the most difficult things last year was that um, the design had to be done by, I think, 48 hours after media day was done. Um, so I literally had the designer next to me being like, Okay, this is what we need, this is who I need, da 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 and literally a week later they were already printed outside of the arena. Your photos? Yes.
1: Amazing, amazing. And with a media day, like if you don't get it right, it's no it's it's no second media day, man. You it's that's expensive. So there's uh, you, you
0: Yeah it's probably uh <laughs> I want to say most teams probably spend between 80 and 200 K
1: mm-hmm.
0: on a media day.
1: Yeah. So your as first day in, you rolled in there, yeah. you rolled in there with pressure on your shoulders.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, to me, like when I look at the photos and when I still look at the photos now, I'm just like, yeah, come on. Can media day roll around again, please. <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot more creativity that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I'm kinda excited for it. Uh as always, nervous as well, but you know, it's kinda of part of the game.
1: Nervous, yeah, uh, exactly. That's gonna be there. Yeah. Like if I, I would yeah. be I would be more nervous for you if you weren't nervous during <laughs> the media <intermediate> day. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Exactly. I mean I wasn't necessarily I mean, it's funny because that first day last year we were uh photographing the head coach. At the time, and the fuse blew, oh man uh, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> so um, it was kind of like a oh crap moment, uh, luckily, we got the electrician back in there, and whatnot, but like it was like a you got to kidding me, mm-hmm. cool, um, but yeah, you know you you work through it all, you navigate through it all, and I think you know, people don't just hire photographers. They hire people that can kind of navigate through the difficulties of when things go wrong. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like people actually, Oh, I want to do this. And I'm like, okay, do you really want to do this? Because there's more than just taking photos.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You
0: know, there's, there's coordinating, there's having meetings, there's planning there, you know, it's more than just photographing the sport.
1: And you, you, you mentioned something I I was going to touch on. Like, the fuse blew out, you know, um, and you know, photographers, you like you said, we're not old, only hired because we know how to push a button to make a nice picture, but we're yep. also hired to, to when when we're able to be professional. And in that situation, being professional is not panicking, not not right. freaking out your client or producers or the the athletes, right? Like staying calm in order to you know troubleshoot and figure out how to still create a product you know right. even when everything is messing up around you the world is burning around you and you're sitting there like cool as a cube right like that's what we're hired for as well
0: exactly yeah uh that was an interesting day got through it uh the first couple games of the season uh the remote decided to not focus um, you know that I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> like but, everything was hooked up correctly. Um, but yeah, for some odd reason, um, it just was not focusing. So you know, I had to troubleshoot that, um, and finally got it to a point that I was fine with it. But you know, I'm just like, really.
1: But that's that <laughs> is, is that is the life, especially a, a a studio photographer when you you're dealing yeah. with lights. And you're dealing with like all these different like gadgets that have frequencies that need to speak to each other. And sometimes it could be like one small little setting or button that's yep. not on and it'll it'll disrupt the whole system until you figure yep. out which small button on which camera on which remote is not on. you yep. know, And you have to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. You know. Um, so, you know, uh so your first day was being thrown right into media day, right? But describe the vibe in the locker room, like before game or post game, like in the early stages of you, you know, in this job.
0: Um, Earlier last season, we were still in the COVID phase. Um, I was lucky enough that the first couple of games, we got to go in the locker room before and after. Um, But then there was a period, I think, Our team was, like, the first one hit hard with COVID. Um, Mm. But, yet we still played games. It's funny how, like, when other teams got COVID and everything and they had to stop for a week, I mean, we literally played with AHL players. Like, it was kind of ridiculous, but we got through it. So, it's just kind of funny how, like, when everybody else, you know, started having, like, COVID issues, like, we had to, like, shut down for a week. But, nonetheless... After that was over, I think that was about, what, January. I think I started traveling with the team nice. um, a little bit. At the end of January, once kind of like testing COVID stuff kind of went away or started to go away. Um, and so from that, from the, I want to say, game 25 to the end uh, was pretty good. It was it was great to be in the locker room more often. It was great to be able to start talking to the players as they were walking in. Um, they were seeing my photos uh, a lot frequently. And so, you know, for me, it was just a great thing. Now that I have jitters when I first walked into a male locker room with mostly all white players, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. You know, because you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable in any way. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile... I'm probably uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's that's part of the job. You know what I mean? You just gotta act in walk in and act like, you know, you're a cool cu- or a cucumber. You know what I mean? Like
1: like you belong. Like in. You gotta walk in like you belong. <laughs> exactly. In. Yeah.
0: So like it was it was interesting because by the end of the season, they had noticed one guy who was no longer in the team and I'll name him Bernsey had noticed that was walking around the logo because I had thought that, you know, the center logo, superstitious if you walk on top of it or Mm -hmm. touch any part of it. Yeah. Okay. And he has been, like, watching me, I guess, throughout the whole season of being walking
2: the
0: edge of it. And he was like, you know you can can walk along the blue, right? And I go, oh, I can. (laughs) So it's, you know, it's like those little things that, like, over time they start to get comfortable and they start to, like... Let you know things and and whatnot. So, you know, it was it was good to know that like they knew I was there. You know, to kind of document the season. You know, not just as a paparazzi because yeah. I think you know a lot of hockey players in general, especially the quiet ones, they don't want to be photographed. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not as um. I won't, I mean, I think the NFL and the NBA. You know, their players are more glamorized. Um, NHL players are not all that glamorized, so you know it's it's not a big deal to them. Okay, I'll say it like that it's not it's not much of a big deal. Some players are like the top players in the league. Yeah, they love photos, but those players that are just there that are mid level players, they're just like okay, whatever. Yeah, I just you know, to do my job exactly. Mm-hmm. So,
1: and how did you yeah, how, was, how did you work? You know, how did you build? Trust and connection with the players?
0: Um well, number one, throughout the season I just kinda like started doing my own research on like what was going on in games and how they would come off the ice and how they would talk to folks. You know what I mean? Like i I love the people watch for the sense of knowing how to approach somebody. So oh. Once I got the feeling of, okay, I can kind of sort of like approach him and he won't feel like, you know, I did something wrong, like it just became a normal thing. You know, you just have to take the time to let the players kind of know that, hey, you're here to take a photo, you're here to do your your job as well. Um, And for the most part, you know, whatever PR told me, gave me the, I guess, the, the signal to do like i i did it and i basically kind of st- stuck within their rules um because it is the first season and you never just want to just go in there and just start doing whatever yeah so very cautious at first got easier towards the end now we're kind of in a new re- uh, regime and so um uncertain about how the season will go you know everything's kind of new it's kind of shifted um, the Sharks hired the first black GM. Mm-hmm.
2: I saw um, that.
0: So we're, we're, we're kind of in this like, we'll see what happens <laughs> type phase. But so far, it's been good. Um, he is not a <laughs> front-facing, like he does not like to be in front of the camera.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which, you know, if I was GM, probably I wouldn't want to either. Um, but his, the coach that he hired is very not, I mean, loves the camera. <laughs> so it's, it's fun. in that aspect, when you can have a head coach that doesn't mind the camera,
1: Well, somebody has to be the face, right? Like, well, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know,
1: for good or bad. Right. Somebody has to be the yeah. face. Um, but that's interesting. Like what's going on over there in San Jose, man, they have like, they, they hired you first black woman, team photographer and then they hired this GM you know a a black GM Uh, really interesting things happening over there Um, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with the uh, demographic of the players you know over time yeah
0: you know it's it's weird because I think while there are some strides being made as far as black players uh, getting to the league I think obviously this year there's a couple racial slurs said at the AHL level and the ECHL level and so there's still a lot of work to do for hockey Oh um
1: I can imagine
0: and it's gonna take some time but I think within the time you know for us BIPOC folks um Canadian or American you know we also need to understand that everybody didn't grow up like us they don't necessarily know us yeah so, you kind of got to teach
1: them. <laughs> yep. And that, that's, a, that, that's another that's, part of the job. Like, in whatever yep. industry we're in, like, if we're like one of the few or one of the only or with a one of one, you know, um, part of our job is educating people on racism. And, and yep. that's, but that is also tiring. You know what I mean? Yep.
0: Exactly. Like, I, one of the other educational aspects of this job is when people ask me, Why are you still photographing? We're not a playoff team You know. And I'm mm. um, just like historical context, you know? Like, uh just because you're not just because you don't make playoffs, just because you don't win the Stanley Cup doesn't mean you stop photographing the team. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's all history, right? Exactly. You know, say if this team who is in their new regime right now you know, last year obviously there's a lot of change, but you can look at year to year and be like, Holy crap. Mm-hmm. This is where we were and this is where we're we're at now. And oh my goodness, why did I look like a doofus in that photo? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's all moments. Yeah. <laughs> you know, player I mean, players look at photos and they're just like, Oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know And one and last season you can look at one player's mannerisms and emotional, you know, expressions and then next year you can see something completely different and you can kind of you, yeah you can kinda of see where a shift happened, right? Like exactly. And that, that might change the whole, you know, dynamic of the team. Just being able to have like these references, you know.
0: And so yeah, that's where, you know, the teaching sports teams Um, I guess, the importance of having a team photographer. Mm -hmm. uh, It is, believe it or not, it's still a struggle to a lot of teams to not hire someone full-time for photography. They'll just rather hire someone contract, and that is it. Um, And so, hopefully, in the next five years, um, we'll have more full-time photographers. But most teams just have, they just, are stuck in their ways mm-hmm. and they're just being, the, I mean, the NHL, you know, they put things in place and obviously most of those teams have just stuck with what they've put in place. Yeah. So San Jose, um, I think Arizona coyotes, um, I want to say Tampa Bay lightning has a full-time marketing photographer Uh, Montreal has a full-time marketing photographer. Like, the teams that I just listed are are some of the teams that are are trying or trying to figure out a way in which photography is is more seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is at least, to me, more comforting than, I guess, the place and the first day I started. You know what I mean? Because I really didn't know the behind the scenes of of what went on. And so it's been a whole year of trying to figure out, okay, this is what has been done for 30 years and people just don't want to change. Yeah. So yeah, it's a hard realization, but you know, um, any little things that, you know, us full-time photographers can do um, to show the importance of having a full time photographer, you know, I'm all for because it's needed yeah you
1: know absolutely i mean i I think that's great to just be able to also like sort of pave the way and and do the work that you're doing showcase why why it's important that you do what you do and why it's necessary and beneficial you know so exactly you know, um, I know you said you looked at the media images from last season and you're like, okay, yeah, bring it on. You know, you got some ideas for the upcoming season. Like, what what are some things that uh, you're looking to improve on or change based on, you know, um, your previous season experiences?
0: Um, I guess getting more of the players' emotion reactions facial expressions, because you know, having your first AB media day is like your first introduction to most of them, and I had no idea who these players were. You know what I mean? Like, people would be like, oh, he's funny. You know what I mean? And then he would get in there, and he wasn't funny. <laughs> you know? So, it's kind of like, now that I know who half of these players are, we, we've hired, we've signed a whole bunch of new uh, people as well, which I don't know, but at least the core nine you know i do know and so it'll be a lot easier to get them to do things hopefully <laughs> hopefully mm-hmm. you know they'll probably fight me on it but you know I, I think we'll have fun we'll try to make it fun for sure this is amanda jay kane and you are tuned in to the black sugar podcast
1: i want to give a big shout out to everyone who tuned into this episode thank you for listening The Black Shutter Podcast is hosted by me, Idris Talib Solomon. To subscribe to the Black Shutter Podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. When you get there, show us some love by dropping a five-star rating or leaving a review. This will help with our rankings, which essentially helps more Black photographers get exposure. Make sure to check us out online at BlackShutterPodcast.com to read the show notes, learn more about our guests, and check out some of their work. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Peace. Until next time.